have your Bible, turn with me. Let's see where we want to go. We're going to do a lot of, go on to the book of Ephesians. Uh, and tonight is the last service in the month of March. And here's what we're going to do tonight. And this might be good for all of us, including me. We're going to review the month of March. And then I'm going to, uh, and then I'm going to give you a little short, uh, some short insight about one more prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesians. We've kind of looked at it briefly, but we'll kind of pull it apart a little bit and just kind of let it feed us a little tonight. How many of you know the Bible, the, the, the Scripture says that the Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword? In other words, uh, man, there's so much about this Word. Uh, you know, if we looked over in Ephesians 6, we'd, say, we'd realize it's the sword of the Spirit. Uh, you know, the Bible says he sent his word and healed us. There's just so much. If you're holding your Bible in whatever form, whether it's in your iPhone or, or iPad, uh, hey, it's, it's God's word to us. And tonight, you know, if we did nothing but read the word, it would produce fruit in our life because it's living and active. Anytime you digest something that's living and active, there will always be a, an impact, especially from a spiritual perspective with God's word. And so, for the month of uh, March, we've been talking about kind of, to me, a unique topic because I've never talked about prayer from this angle before. But as I began to pray, God laid something on my heart about teaching the church to be sure and to be empowered and equipped to pray for the house or pray for the church. In fact, Jesus said about his church, he said, he called it a house. He said, my house shall be called a house of what? Prayer for all nations. And so... If it's a house of prayer for all nations, it ought to begin at the house of God praying for the house. And so all this month, Sundays and Wednesdays, we've been hitting this from all sides. My prayer is that uh, many of God's people will catch the importance and the, and the impact of praying for your church family on a regular basis. So with that in mind, I want us to look in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Now we looked at this last Wednesday for a little bit, and then Sunday we looked at it in detail. In fact, Sunday, if you miss Sunday, and let me, this is not, nobody's going to get a, a black mark or, or, or we won't pull out a wet noodle and, and whip you. If you missed last Sunday, just let me know by lifting your hand. If you weren't here Sunday, okay, all right. I encourage you to go to the website and, and uh, or iTunes, uh, I, I suppose I were up and running on iTunes from last Sunday, uh, and download that message or listen to it online uh, because it was from this verse. And, and, and uh, I thought it was a, a, a wonderful uh, a capstone, if you will, on this month's ministry. But let's look at it again just to kind of give us, give us the context, uh, you know, Paul the Apostle, after all of this ministry to the church in Ephesus by this letter, and I'm telling you, and you know if you've been around here with Pastor Sam very long, he camps out in Ephesians quite a bit. It is power-packed. I'm telling you, you your whole world uh, could be transformed in every level of your life if all of the Bible you had was the book of Ephesians. Tells you how to be saved, tells you how to walk with God, tells you how to fight the devil, how to be victorious in Christ. And so a great book that uh, I think is important for the church to catch. In fact, it's a big book about the church. You know, it talks about us being joined and knit together. And so uh, when he closes out this book, he leaves them with one final instruction. And that is this in Ephesians chapter 6, just dovetailing off. Uh, of the uh, armor of God that we are all to apply in our life so we can uh, stand strong against the wiles and the craftiness of the devil. He says this in verse 18. He said, and praying always, everyone say praying always. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, that is a power-packed verse. We, we looked at it a little more in detail on Sunday. That's why I want to encourage you, if you weren't here, to look it over. I love what the message says. It's a paraphrase of this verse. And, and let me just read it. And none of this review is going to be on PowerPoint. When we get to this last prayer, you'll have a little PowerPoint. But uh, I didn't put all the review on PowerPoint. But the message, which is a paraphrase of this verse, says this. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Look at your neighbor and say, prayer is essential. 
Now, think about warfare for a moment. Uh, not that I'm going to re-preach this last Sunday, but think about warfare. How many of you don't want to go out into uh, warfare uh, without the essential necessary ingredients and, 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 and elements of victory in your life? You know, 2 Corinthians uh, 10 uh, I think it's Second Corinthians 10 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so you wouldn't want to go to battle uh, even on a natural level uh, against uh, people with tanks and, and rockets and you have a pea shooter or a bow and arrow, would you? You would want the essential, necessary, important elements of victory. And that's what prayer is. And he says, uh, the message, in the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. I love this phrase, pray hard and long. Everyone say, pray hard and long. And then he says, pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. That's the message in Ephesians six eighteen. So, the theme is here, the last instruction Paul gives to this church is you need to pray for one another. You need to pray for one another. Look at somebody left or right and look them right in the old balls and said, we need to pray for one another. Come on. We need to pray for one another. We really do. Amen. Uh, especially in light of where we are. And Sunday we talked about that. So here, let's review. I'm going to walk all the way back to the beginning of the month. Here we go. It's quick review. The first Sunday, I introduced to you this thought. The first Sunday of, la- of this month, I introduced to you this thought. Now I'm fixing to give you a quiz question. Okay, and I introduced five prayer directives that I, I believe the Lord laid on my heart for us to pray over our church family. And I think it's called an alliteration to somewhat. So if, if, you're, if you mind works that way, uh, there were five prayer directives that I gave us to begin to pray over our church family. Uh, uh, anyone care to venture out and tell me the first one or any of them? Yes, Trent. Forgive the house. Everyone say, forgive the house. We need to pray that God would forgive us. And you say, well, Pastor, that infers we've got sin in our life. No, it doesn't infer it. It's... It, it's, it's clear as a bell. We all need to walk righteously and holy before God. Amen. Well, have, anybody have arrived into perfection yet? Just lift your hands. Nobody? Okay. So we need to pray that God would forgive us. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Powerful truth about the forgiveness of God. Jesus, in fact, John 17, prayed that kind of prayer over us when he said, sanctify them in your truth. And then the next one, the next prayer directive, not only uh, forgive the house, but free the house. Walk in new levels of liberty in our life. How many of you need a new level of of spiritual liberty in life? Anybody still got a few hang-ups in life that you'd like to shake loose in your life? Well, hey, we need to walk in new levels. That's why Jesus came. And then the third one is... Say it loud. Focus the house. Oh, that's what next month is all about. Get us focused. Making missions our mission. And when I talk about missions, sure, foreign missions. But how many of you know we all are missionaries in the world we are in right now? Amen. Wherever you work, wherever you go to school, whatever you do, you are a missionary. You've been sent by God. And you know what? This church into the world. Your children are missionaries into the school system if they go to the public schools. And so, hey, we're sent ones out by God. And so uh, we, we need to focus the house. I really believe this month we're going to get focused a little better this coming month on the call of God for our life as a church. I'm personally getting a little better focused in many different areas of my life as my pa- in my pastoral role over the church. And so it's exciting uh, for me personally. And then number four, Fill the house, man. And two, two angles to that. With the power of your presence and spirit, amen. Uh, Acts 2, when they were all together, the, the, the spirit of the Lord filled the whole house where they were at. Man, we need his presence in our church ministry. And, you know, I don't know if you, if you missed Sunday, and I don't know if this won't be reflected in the recording, but we had a great uh, presence of God in our worship, and it was just a good anointing, uh, and we're beginning to sense his presence in our church in greater measure. So God is answering prayer, but the second part of that is not only fill the house with his spirit, but uh, fill the house with people. 
And, and let me tell you something. Uh, you know, I don't know what you think about Joel Olstein. You may not, may or may not have a good perspective of him. But, man, I was listening to him last, uh, actually today, Beverly taped a little bit. He was talking about going out and finding those who are wayward and just skipping and missing. It was a great story. Told the story about, uh, oh, who was it? Uh, Dwight Moody, when he was a kid, he, he started skipping Sunday school. And his Sunday school teacher went and found him. And uh, got him back in church, and he never he, he, he started hitting on all eight cylinders, and lo and behold, uh, he made a huge impact in the world. Thank God for a Sunday school teacher who went and found him uh, and, and, and helped. How many of you know, that's, that, filled, that started filling the house, amen. So we have a responsibility to do that, and we're praying, God, bring your people from the north, south, east, and west. And then finally, the last one, certainly not uh, uh, sounding as spiritual, but certainly has great spiritual uh, impact, and that is what? Finance the house. You know, you know, Jesus taught us to pray for f- financial provision in our life. What did he say in John 6? Pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. And so, uh, oh, and there's so many passages in Scripture that reveal that God wants to bless us. And I think he wants us to pray over this church that not on, God will not only give us just enough, but more than enough. You know, when you have a reserve, you can do more for God. Amen. And, uh, and we're believing for the miracle of canceled debt. Everybody say, paid in full. Paid in full. I believe that. And when it happens, you know, we're going to have a party here. Like, uh, Mac, y'all have to come back for the party. You might see the pastor dance. I don't know. It might be amazing. You just never know. Uh, And so we're just believing God for that, encouraging people when they drive by. Thank God in faith. Lord, thank you that you're going to so bless Church on the Rock North that not only will their bills be paid, but you're going to cancel their debt in a supernatural means. Amen. So that was the first Sunday. And so that kind of launched us into the Word of God. And looking at different uh, prayers that people have prayed, we jumped into the first Wednesday in John 17. Turn over to John 17 for just a second. I won't stay there long. I'm not going to re-preach all of this. But John 17 is a prayer Jesus prayed just prior to his, his betrayal his death, burial, and resurrection, and then ultimate ascension into heaven. And it's a great prayer that he prayed for the church. That's why we looked at it, and, and we saw that Jesus prayed for the church. In fact, he said, I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for those you've given me. And not only those you've given me, but those who will come along after them who will believe in me through their word, through the preaching of the word. And so just quickly, we looked at this and we realized that Jesus prayed for the church, a prayer of protection. He said, keep them, Lord. Aren't you glad Jesus prayed that you'd be safe? Amen. A prayer of sanctification, pardon me, sanctification, where he said, sanctify them. That means Cause them to be holy and clean and pure in the, in the truth. And he said, thy word is truth. And, and uh, then he prayed a prayer of incorporation, uh, really, not as I, and I've already quoted it, not only for these that you've given me, but for those out in the future. Now, let me pause. I, I hit this a couple of times this month. Your prayers have no shelf life. Your prayers have no expiration date. You can pray into the future. And, God, you know, and Jesus' prayers that he prayed then are still living and, and, and being answered today. Amen. Mark, Macy is an answer to Jesus' prayer. She got saved Sunday. And one of the reasons she did was because Jesus prayed for her in John 17. I pray for those who will believe on me through their preaching. That's powerful, is it not? And so your prayers are no different. Uh, and so he prayed that prayer. And then he prayed a prayer for the church of unification. He said that they may be one. That's focused on God's vision and plan. And then one of completion. He said that they may be perfect or complete in one and in harmony together. So we looked at the John 17 prayer. Uh, and I would encourage you again to make that a, a point of study in your life. And, and just embrace all the prayer that Jesus prayed over you. And then the next Sunday morning, the second Sunday of this month... We looked at John 17 a little, uh, from a little different angle, and we looked at the motive of the master. Why did he pray for the church so intensely in John 17? Why did he pray that God would keep them, he would sanctify them and, 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 and unify them and complete them? Why? Because, and in fact, here's the phrase, so the world may know. Everyone say, so the world may know. See, 
he wanted the world. He knew his plan was for the world to be saved, but he didn't pray, Lord, save the world. He said, Lord, help the church so they can do their part in reaching the world. And so you, we need to embrace that and realize, man, that's our focus. God has the world in mind when he's praying for you. You are God's ambassador, his, his missionary, if you will. And so, in fact, I love, I think, um, Hebrews 7, I forget. It says he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's seated at the right hand of God right now, praying for us tonight. Isn't that not powerful, April? Jesus is praying for you right now. He said, oh, God, bless April tonight. And may she be empowered and equipped for your kingdom purpose in her life. That's exciting. And so that was last, uh, or the second Sunday. And then we jumped into the second Wednesday and we looked at the prayer of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1. Great prayer, great story. If you haven't, if you missed that uh, uh, Wednesday night when we looked at Nehemiah's prayer, go get the CD, get online, uh, and just and just catch this because uh, this was. And I, I I'm not going to give you the big context, but uh, uh, too much. But uh, they were children of Israel were coming out of Babylonian captivity. And Nehemiah, the cupbearer to king, uh, is it Artaxerxes, uh, I think? Uh, um, uh, God moved on his heart as an as, as a, a Israelite to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Jerusalem being a picture of the church. So when you look at that prayer uh, and look at the, the story of Nehemiah, it's really a picture of what God wants to do in the church and how he uses people to pray these things into reality. And I love the three last points that we shared with you, uh, that, that the, the results of Nehemiah's prayer for Jerusalem, and, and it was he received unexplainable favor. Man, the king just said, go for it. I'll give you the resources. I'll give you the protection. I'll give you whatever you need. He had unexplainable favor. And then the next thing, he had unstoppable focus. Man, nothing could stop him. How many of you know when he got the eye of the tiger to rebuild the wall and, the, and he motivated the people, that brought out the demons and devils. That brought out the Sanballats and Tobias. Those were the guys who were trying to resist him. And they did everything they could to get him to stop. But he had unstoppable uh, uh, focus about finishing. One time they were trying to get him down. And they said, come on, let's go out to the valley. He's up on the wall working. Come on, let us go down to the valley of Ono. We need to talk about this. Uh, the valley of O-N-O. That's the valley of Ono. And I always say, when somebody invites you to the valley of Ono, you need to say, oh, no, I'm not going there. Uh, I, the work is too hard. The work is too great. And, and he had unstoppable focus. And then he finished with an unbelievable finish. In 52 days, the walls were miraculously, miraculously uh, rebuilt. And all the naysayers and all the, uh, the, the resistance had to say that this was a miracle from God. So it's a great story of a, of a great uh, uh, restoration of the walls of Jerusalem. But it is a great picture of how the church ought to pray for the church and then go to work for the church. How many of you know if you're just praying and not working, you're just doing half the, half the, the effort? Because when you start praying for something, it'll motivate you to get involved in a greater measure. And so uh, we talked about the prayer of Nehemiah. And then the third Sunday, we looked at Daniel. Now, oh my goodness, Daniel. He's the long haul prayer. And we, we backtracked, if you will, in time from Nehemiah. He got into the Babylonian captivity as a young Jewish boy at the age of 15, lived all his life under Babylonian captivity, but God prospered him, and he became uh, second in command there uh, by the prosperity of God. And uh, he, the Bible says, as was his custom, every day he would go up and open his windows toward where? Somebody say Jerusalem. To the place of the captivity, and he would pray for Jerusalem three times a day. He prayed. The reason he's a long-haul prayer, he stayed there all his life, and he prayed for Jerusalem with great fervency, knowing that he would probably never see the answer with his natural eye. But God answered his prayer. 
And, and you know what? God's still answering his prayers. He was a long-haul prayer. Uh, and so he looked at Daniel. Great story. Uh, he, he had a lifelong consistency in prayer. Uh, he, he was daily in prayer. He was persistent in prayer. He never quit. Uh, and, and he did spiritual battle. And he had great clarity in his prayer life. He had a real focus in his prayers. You know, I think it's important for us to get focused on the church and really begin to pray over our church family. Why? That the world may know. Amen? Most people complain more about their church than they pray for their church. And so we pray for the church. Guess what? It's so the world may know. And so, wow, we looked at Daniel's prayer, Nehemiah's prayer, Daniel's prayer. And then the fourth Sunday, last Sunday, oh, no, third Wednesday. We missed third Wednesday. We looked at Ephesians chapter 1. I'm not going to go there. And his prayer for the church in Ephesus. Uh, Wow. It's a powerful uh, prayer in verse chapter 1, verse 15 through 19. Uh, And again, uh, go back and rehearse and relive and, and re-digest those, that prayer because it's a great uh, insight in how we can pray for our church family. And then last Sunday, we revisited this verse that I showed you in Ephesians 6, verse 18. And I asked you, and, and I said, because of what Paul prayed, why must we keep praying for the church? And I gave you three points last Sunday because the days are evil. Everyone say the days are evil. Man, you read Ephesians, every time you turn around, Paul's reminded them of the evil day, the day redeeming the time for the, come on, somebody say it, the days are evil. The days are evil. And then Ephesians 6, the armor of God that you may withstand in that evil day and put on the whole armor of God because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places, man. There's a spiritual battle going on. That's why we need to pray for the church. And then number two, so the doors will open. Not only because the days of evil, but prayer opens doors. Paul in Ephesians said, pray for me that that I may speak the word boldly. And then in Colossians, he said, pray for me that, that God would open to me a door for the word. How many of you ever had doors that just seemed to be shut and you began to pray and seek God and all of a sudden things that had been shut? In fact, my Bible tells me God can open a door no man can shut and he can shut a door that no man can open. He opens it. It's open, brother. And uh, that happens at the place of prayer. Uh, And I think you probably know that. And And then the last one is because we pray for the church because not only are the days are evil and the doors must open, but the the day of the Lord is fastly approaching. We don't have much time. Redeeming the time. Make the most of the opportunity. Amen. How many of you don't want to stand before God with a I shoulda, woulda, coulda attitude, but, but you want to be able to hear God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. And so we pray for the church. And that was last Sunday. Now tonight, everybody go, whoo, here we are. See, I gave you, I gave you three, six messages there. Uh, seven messages in uh, about 20, 30 minutes. And so for the next few minutes, let's look in Ephesians uh, over uh, at chapter 3. And I want to show you this, this prayer again. He, in the middle of the book, he prays for them again. Uh, and, and just catch, you've got to catch the context here. He, he writes the letter and he begins. And, and, and he introduces the letter with great insight about our, the fact that we've been blessed, that we've been redeemed, uh, and uh, that we have an inheritance in Christ. And then in verse 15 of chapter 1, he says, And after I heard of your faith uh, in the Lord and your love for all the saints, I just can't stop praying for you. Okay? And then halfway through the letter, it, it's almost, and I don't have time to get into detail, but look in chapter 3 of the first verse and say, everyone say, for this reason. You see that, I think, in King James. Anybody got King James? It says a little different word. He said, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ for the Gentiles. And then you see that my Bible has a little hyphen or a little, uh, I think it's a hyphen. And then he goes into some dissertation about the mystery of God and the gospel of God. And then uh, he goes into verse 13. It says, therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Look in verse 14. For this reason. Everyone say, for this reason. It's almost like Paul 
uh, when he wrote, the, he said, for this reason, chapter 3, verse 1, and then he said, oh, I just got to tell them a little bit about the mystery. I got to tell them, I got to give them a little reason here why, why I'm going to be praying for them. And then verse 13, he says, I ask that you do not lose heart. Everyone say, don't lose heart. And then he says, verse, and here he starts back into where it looks like he started after that little insert of some great theological insight as to the, the, the gospel of God and the mystery of God and, the, and that we're all born again. We have boldness through faith uh, in him. He begins this prayer in verse 14. For this reason, I'm going to read it all. We'll go back and just kind of highlight a few thoughts. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. Everyone say, in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Now catch that. He's, he's talking about the church here. He said that you personally might with all the rest of the family of God, catch this. He said may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now I'm telling you, he's shooting for the stars right here. Let me just say, I just got to stop. I just got to comment. Most of our prayers, when we're praying for our lives or even for our church, we're not shooting for the stars. Man, he's, he just said, I'm praying that you may know the height, the depth, the breadth, all the aspects that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Woo-hoo-hoo. I mean, he's going for the gusto in this prayer. Amen. I like it. I mean, if you're going to pray, why not go for the gold? Amen. If you're going to pray for the church, why not just, we ought to just believe for God's best in our lives. Amen. And that's, that's what I love about his prayer. He said, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then he closes this prayer with two of my favorite verses. I'm telling you, I love this. He says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. So stop. He just prayed this phenomenal faith-filled prayer. And he says, now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Everyone say, exceedingly abundantly above. All we could ask or even what? Think. How many of you know Paul had a little bit of handle on the nature of God? He says, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power or in harmony with the power that works in us. And then he closes this prayer, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Everybody say the last word of the prayer. Everybody say the last word of the prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Wow, what a prayer. And because of it, so I'm just going to highlight some thoughts. Uh, as I read, let me just say, I'm going to stop again. Just a few minutes ago, I prayed that God would let his word speak to us and and I said the word of living and active. Let me just tell you, when I read the word tonight, in the few, I sense the life of God in that word. I'm telling you, it just stirs me. It motivates me. It moves me. And uh, I encourage you to read the word like that and let the word of God just take, take root in your heart by the power of the Spirit of God. So with that in mind, let's just kind of look at, at this verse, uh, this, these, this prayer verse by verse. Uh, let me first... Uh, uh, I hinted at it, but let me reestablish the purpose of his prayer. He has a purpose behind this prayer that he's about to pray, and he, he refers to it in verse 13. Now, we could build a bigger premise and precedent for this purpose by taking an in-depth study of what he kind of parenthesis in verse 2 through 12, uh, but uh, here he says it in verse 13, therefore, everyone say, therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Now, basically, the, the real purpose for this prayer, because 
after he says that, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. He said, for this reason, I bow my knees. For this reason, I'm praying. And basically, the real purpose of this prayer that Paul's praying here in these few verses for Ephesians is for us is for the purpose of protection. Protection for the inner man. And we'll talk about the inner man in a moment. But he's, 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 he's praying over them that these elements, these important prayer requests and things he prays would be used by God to protect them and protect their heart or their inner man from losing heart. You ever lost heart at something? You ever just kind of give up and just get frustrated with something? You ever try to put something together? Oh, I could give up. You know, whatever it is. I just quit, man. I, I, you know... I've, I've quitted a few things for a season, but I am not a quitter. I can tell you that for sure. Uh, sometimes I have to lay something down and come back a little later and figure it out, but I'm not a quitter. Uh, and, and that's what Paul's praying for this church for. He doesn't want them to quit in this great process that is being established in their life. He said, for this reason, I ask that you don't lose heart. Therefore, I'm going to pray for you. And so that's why he's praying these prayers. So you got the context? Look at your neighbor and ask him, you got the context, the purpose of the prayer? He's protect our inner man. I'm telling you, again, why? There's a war going on. And so here, let's pick it apart a little bit. Let's take it apart. Look in verse 16. He, he prays a prayer for God's strength and power in the inner man. Let me tell you something. It's not our physical strength that is so important. It's our spiritual inner man's strength. You know, in fact, Paul said this. Uh, um, I wish I could it just come to the top so I can't uh, uh, get you the context. He said, my outer man is, is getting weaker by the day. How many of you, Sam, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Me too. In fact, the reason I'm sitting on a stool, I got knee issues. I went walking around the fair uh, yesterday, and me and Ty played. and We walked all over that thing three or four times. You would think we, we couldn't find a taco anywhere. We looked all over. We, we just walked that place. Well, my whole knee's kind of giving me some heart. The outer man gets weaker and decays. But Paul says, but my inner man is getting stronger and is renewed day by day. And so, man, because this, and Paul knew this is the real priority of life. Keeping the inner man strong and healthy. Amen. And so he prays this prayer, verse 16. He said that he would grant to you. Everyone say grant to you. Did he say, did it, does that infer that he's gonna, we're going to have to work for this? There's a grace that can come upon our life if we'll just yield to it. A grace, an unmerited favor in our life. He said, I'm praying for you that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory. In other words, how many of you know uh, when God starts granting things, it's out of a great reservoir of the supernatural blessings of God uh, available to us. In fact, verse 3 of chapter 1, he blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Man, the storehouses... Uh, in fact, I heard someone one time tell a dream or a story or an illustration of having a prayer and they went to, or having a vision, they went to heaven and there was these great storehouses of all this massive blessing. And, and uh, uh, you know, the context was, well, what is all this? That's all the blessings that is waiting to be tapped into by the church. It's just stacking up because they're not tapping into it. Something along those lines. And so Paul says, hey, uh, that they might, be, might grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. Everyone say strengthened. Strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That's a big phrase. The word strengthened here is the word where we get basically strength or, or uh, uh, if you put a definition on it, it means increased in spiritual vigor in life. And so he said that they may be increased and strengthened in their vigor, spiritual vigor. And it says how with might. Everyone say with might. That word might is, the interestingly enough, the Greek word dunamis, which in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is translated power, which is Acts 1 8, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll receive what? power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. It's Holy Spirit, supernatural power. 
And so Paul comes along and he knows that they need a strengthening of the inner man. He said, man, because there's influences in the world trying to cause you to lose heart, I'm praying that God would grant to you uh, 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 an increase of spiritual strength and vigor in your life by the power, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Because he says, through his spirit in the inner man. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit came to do for you. And that's why we need the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life, that the Holy Spirit come upon us and strengthen us and impart. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is a gift? You don't earn Him. You don't have to be good enough to gain Him. You can grieve Him, but understand something. It's a, he's, he graced us. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, He's the down payment of all our inheritance. And I'm telling you, uh, uh, this prayer is God strengthen them by your Spirit with spiritual strength and supernatural power in the inner man. What a great prayer. And God will do it, amen. We need to yield to the Holy Spirit in our life to let him do that for us. Verse 17, he prays a prayer for Christ's presence to be made manifest in our inner man. He said that Christ may dwell in your hearts. How? By faith. Now, pause here for a moment. This is a whole new mindset in this day and age. When Paul says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, to us, it just sounds like he's, it's filler. You know, oh, he's just being, you know, he wants Christ to dwell in our hearts by faith. But let me tell you something. This first century church and these, these early churches, they were still in the process of digesting this revelation, this mystery. In fact, uh, the parentheses, if you will, of Ephesians 3, he's talking about the mystery of the gospel. And the mystery of the gospel is this. We are saved by faith in Christ, not by good works. Not by obeying the law, not by obeying all the rules. And so here comes Paul, and he knows. And and let me tell you something. The churches in this day and age, they struggle between the law and the Spirit. In fact, if you read Galatians, they stumble badly back into the law. He said, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You started in the Spirit. Now why are you trying to get back to the legalism of the law? So these churches struggle with this. You know what? It's still kind of the same today in a whole different context because, you know, sometimes we think we got to be good enough for God to bless us, work our way into greater blessings with God. No, it's just a tapping into of his presence in our life. And so here comes Paul. He knows, oh, they need the supernatural strength of the Holy Spirit in the inner man, and they need to understand that Christ dwells in their hearts by faith, not by feelings. Everyone say, not by feelings. He dwells in our hearts by faith. And he says, I'm praying for them that they would get this revelation that Christ is dwelling in their hearts through faith. Amen. You see, Macy, you gave your heart to Christ Sunday, and it was by faith. And you know, how, you know what? It's by faith that we stand. In fact, what did he say? In, uh, Paul said in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you are saved through what? faith. And that's not even of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. Amen. And so it's through faith in Christ. And that revela- that's the mystery. Hey, without faith, we're all in trouble. That's the cornerstone of our, our Christianity is faith in the finished work of, of the cross. So verse uh, 16 and 17, verse 17, he prays uh, that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith and, and that we experience Christ's presence uh, in a whole new way in our life. And so, great insight. Um, I wish I could spend a little more time there. Verse 17, again, he goes on and he kind of hits it another, uh, another level, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Everyone say in love. Now, Paul's. Remember... Back in Ephesians chapter 1, we talked about it earlier. He said, when I saw your what? Your faith and love. Everyone say faith and love. In fact, 
you know, here it says in verse, oh, verse 15 of chapter 1. Therefore also, after I heard, not saw, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I said this back in the beginning of, of this series. I said, those two things are the real, the real identifiers of a real church. It's not a building. It's not a big gathering. Or even a, that's, hey, it's people who have faith in the finished work of Christ and it's made manifest in their love for God and other. That's what caused Paul to start praying. Oh, we got a real one here. Oh, when I saw your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. So here he comes and he's going, oh no, there's influences in the world that is potentially going to cause them to uh, uh, lose heart. Well, they've got to stay strong in their faith that Christ dwells in their hearts by faith. And, oh, mm, they've got to know. They've got to be rooted and grounded in love. How many of you know that's a powerful visual person? Rooted and grounded in love. In other words, that's, that's where things go deep. And, man, it's my faith and my love for God and others. It's so important. So he prays a prayer uh, for Christ. Uh, love or God's love in the inner man to be strong and to be established in their life. That they would not only love God, but they'd love others. That's a powerful truth. Let's see if i got time to pause. I'm going to pause one more time. And this is on the cuff, not in my notes. So I may stumble out of the gate here just a little bit. Let me show you one little insight. The church in Ephesus, Revelations chapter 2. You know what the subtitle of that church is? The Loveless Church. And he says, he said, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil, and that you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and found them liars, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Maybe Paul had a little insight here. That one of the real tendencies, how many of you know the tendency of, of most Moves of God, it becomes institutionalized in our hearts. And legalism starts slipping in. And the real love for God and others kind of begins to wane. And so Paul realizes, man, I've got to pray that they would, that they would be rooted and grounded in love. And then we go into verse 18. Oh, and there's so much there. That faith and love is just such a big, big you know... In fact, what Paul tell the Corinthians, he says, you know, if you do all these great things but don't have love, you're nothing. Amen. So it's so important. We've got to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. We've got to have Christ, understand Christ lives and dwells in our hearts by faith. And we've got to be rooted and grounded in love. Then he goes on and prays another prayer, a deeper prayer. He prays in verse 18 and 19, a prayer for comprehension and knowledge in the inner man. And this is kind of in concert with the Ephesians 1 prayer. But man, he hits it from all angles. And I'll just comment briefly. Look at verse 18. That you, he says, I pray that you may be rooted and grounded in love, verse 17, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. To know the love of Christ. Now, let me just tell you something. When you think about the love of Christ, it's beyond measure. And Paul, Paul's just saying, I'm praying that you, even though it's beyond measure, because it's, it, he, he goes on to say, I'm praying that you know all of this, what's the width and the length, width and the length and depth and the breadth, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, which means it's beyond my capacity to comprehend here completely. But I'm praying somehow you comprehend that which is incomprehensible, that which is exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think, and that we may have some insight. And so understand this about our walk with God and about his love for us. We're just scratching the surface. 
And how many of you know the more you know him, the stronger and the more impacting your life will be? He said that you may know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So he's praying that that our eyes would be open and our ears would be open and that we would begin to understand and know and revelation and insight. See, Paul, you understand, Paul is a living revelation. He got the just shall live by faith. I mean, he's walking in, in fact, if you, if you go back, look in verse 8 of chapter 3. Look what he says. To me who am the least than the least of all the saints... This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus. So, man, he's, they're living in this fresh revelation. We kind of hear just, oh, yeah, by grace we're saved through faith. Man, this is revelation. And so he's praying for this church, Lord, let their hearts and eyes be open to this great and unfathomable love and insight that we have through the revealing of the mystery of Christ in our life. And then verse 19, he finishes off that last part of 19, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. In the inner man. We're not there yet, are we? How many of you know that prayer is still being answered? You know what, tonight? How many, let me just ask. How many of you got a little something tonight that you didn't have before? You got something? Paul's prayer just got answered a little bit in your life. Because you're, you're, you're receiving some things. Man, I'm being filled with more of God in my life. Filled with all the fullness of God. And then, as I said, my two favorite verses here, uh, some of my favorite verses, he closes this prayer for the church with a great declaration of the greatness of God and really a prayer that the church would always bring great glory to God all their life. And this is a powerful conclusion to this prayer. He says, now to him who is able, everyone say God is able. He said, him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Here's a secret, folks. God is able. Everyone say, God is able. Oh, man, God is able. Everyone say, God can do anything. But let me tell you something. God doesn't do everything, and there's some reasons for it. And one of the reasons is it works, God works in partnership and in harmony and in concert with, to the degree we allow him to work within us. Did you catch that with this verse? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, but it's according to or in concert or in harmony with or in partnership with the power of God that's working within us. And so, how many of you believe that, by and large, God might be a tad frustrated with us? Because, man, when you read Ephesians, he's wanting to bless us according to the exceeding riches of his glory. He's wanting to bless us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He's wanting to really make himself manifest in us that we may know the fullness of God, all the fullness of God. But... That's all limited uh, if we uh, limit God and his power working in and through our lives. And so if there is one thing we could say out of this passage tonight, that the prayer for the church, oh Lord, let us not work against you, but let us work with you. Let us yield ourselves to the Spirit of God who wants to strengthen us with might in the inner man. And let us yield ourselves to the revelation that Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, not by our works. Let us yield ourselves to the love of God and be rooted and grounded in love and open up our spirits to this revelation and be able to comprehend all that God has for us. And Oh, just keep filling us up, Lord. And when we take that posture... 
man, we start seeing this exceedingly abundantly above. Things start kicking in gear in a greater measure. I want to work with God. I want to partner with God in his manifest presence in all the earth. And the more I allow him to have his way in my life and I yield to this the principles of this prayer in my life and our church family and our brothers and sisters do, we begin to see that, that greatness of God, the abilities of God begin to work not only and come to us, but work through us. And then he says this, to him be glory in the church. He's really praying a prayer that in the church, God would always get all the glory. Amen. That God would always be glory. To him be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus. Oh, here, here comes the expansion and the long distance praying into another generation's life. To all generations. That's including us. Forever and ever. Amen. What a powerful prayer. What a powerful prayer. We ought to cooperate with the prayer of Paul the Apostle. Amen. Yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Begin to trust God more. Love God and others more. Open ourselves up to the revelation of God in our life in greater measure. and Just begin to position ourselves in a place where God can fill us up. Fill us up. We used to sing an old chorus, fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord, come and quench this thirsting of my soul, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more, fill my cup, something like I lift it up. I forget the last word. But you know what? If we hunger and thirst, we shall be filled. Amen. One of our biggest responsibilities in all that we do for his glory is to always make sure he always has the glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. And you know, tonight as we close out our study time and we close out this month of talking about praying for the church, Paul prayed. How many of you know God's answering Paul's prayers? Paul prayed that God would grant these things to us. Just pour them out on us. So how many of you think he was praying righteously there? You know, most of the time the church, we're shooting way below our potential in prayer. We ought to begin to expand our faith tonight and agree with the prayer of Paul the Apostle over our lives and over this church. Let's do that tonight. Father, as we close out this series, may it not be a close out of the revelation about praying for the church.